Good morning, church. How are we doing? Good morning, good morning. For those of you who are able to make it in person, the small few that we have, obviously we understand why that's going on. And for those who are watching online, welcome to Mosaic Life. My name is Joshua Ball. I serve here at Mosaic, and I have the wonderful opportunity to be able to speak to you this morning. Uh, Pastor started a sermon series uh, about gratitude. How many ever heard that saying, check yourself, right? Check your attitude, get gratitude. Or what about, don't be mad, get glad? Well, we are going to dive into uh, uh, the second part of this sermon series about gratitude. And I believe, I believe God's going to show up in a special way. Not because I'm the one delivering the message this morning, but because I believe God has something new for us, church. I believe God wants to do something great in all of our lives. I believe God wants to minister to us. He wants to speak to us and he wants to encourage us. Amen, church. And so we're going to have fun this morning. You know how I bring it. I like to have fun. That's kind of my MO, right? It's fun following the kingdom. It's fun following Jesus. Amen. Even though it might not be perfect, we still have a good time representing our Lord and Savior. So I'm going to open up in prayer. Father, I thank you so much, God, for what you're going to do, Lord. God, I thank you, Father, that you have a divine appointment with all of us this morning, Father. God, I thank you, Lord, that we've taken time out of our day to worship you, to honor you, to praise you, Father. My God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me this morning, Father. God, as John the Baptist prayed, may I decrease so that you would increase, Father. God, I pray, Lord, that as the disciples prayed that you would give me your boldness, Father, this morning to effectively communicate your gospel, to effectively communicate your biblical truths in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you guys. I want to start off by talking about pet peeves. Does anyone in here have a pet peeve? Those of you who are watching online, please feel free to write in the comments. Uh, we want to know that you are watching, right? We want to know that you are with us, so please feel free to put stuff in the comments. Uh, uh, growing up, I remember, for an example of pet peeve, my older brother. My older brother, his pet peeve was loud eaters. Do I have any loud eaters in here? You know who you are, too. Like to give a good smack, just chomping on food. Some of you who are at home right now, maybe you got a bowl of cereal, some Cocoa Puffs. That could get some good noise going. Maybe you are a loud uh, chip eater. It's kind of hard, right, to be kind of quiet. But because I was one of his pet peeves, I'm like a ninja eating now. I can just be so quiet. You don't even know that I'm eating. Matter of fact, I've, I've been talking. I've been eating. That's a joke. Um, but that was one of his pet peeves. My pet peeve is misplacing things. Temporarily losing something. Do I got a witness? Temporary losing something. And it's funny, right? It's always in the moment that you need it, right? It's in, it's in dire urge. You need that thing at that moment. Who's ever gone grocery shopping? You're getting, you know, checked out and they give you the total and you reach back in your pocket and all of a sudden, where's my wallet? That's happened to me before. And all of a sudden that panic steps in, right? And you start to think, oh my goodness, where'd I leave it? Is it in the car? Where is it at? Did I leave it at home? right what about your cell phone misplacing your cell phone okay and you have to ask your your spouse or whoever can you please call me can you call me again can you call me again i just can't find it can you call me again call me again right misplacing your cell phone 
Um, I don't know if you ever misplaced one of your shoes, right? You found one shoe, but all of a sudden you can't find the other. And it's like your shoes are playing a, a cruel joke on you, right? They're hiding out. They see you grab one of them, so the other one skirts away underneath the bed or behind an object. And you start to just lose it. Where is my other shoe? All right? For me, one of the things that irks me the most is when I misplace my keys, right? You have that select places in your house where you put your keys. And uh, I start work early. So I have to um, be at work at 645. So I try to do my best to be quiet, tiptoe around the house so I don't wake up my beautiful um, kids, uh, my beautiful daughters, um, try to let my wife sleep in just a little bit. They're early risers anyways. But I tiptoe around. And it's always, you know, in the morning, you're just, oh, thank you, God, right? You're in complete peace. Thank you, God, for this day. This day wasn't promised to me, right? Your mercies are new every morning. I take hold of that, right? And you're in perfect peace, right? And then right before you're about to head out, can't find your keys. So now you're no longer tiptoeing, right? You're stomping around, breathing heavy, right? You're challenging the words you want to say. You want to be godly. But the devil's trying to tempt you. Come on now. I know that's happened to some of you in here before. I know it's happened to me. Uh, but misplacing things. Why do I bring that up this morning, church? Why do I bring that up? Obviously, I don't even need to mention it. We understand that this year has been one of the most craziest years ever. Ever, ever, ever. And throughout this year, if we're transparent, if we're honest with one another, we've misplaced our peace. Or the devil has come to take our peace. Maybe we've lost our peace. Maybe we're struggling to find the peace of God. Are you hearing me this morning, church? Yes. The devil has come to try to take away that joy. And so this morning, as, 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 as we dive into the word, I want to highlight two scriptures. If you can open up your Bible with me, it's in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Church, these are verses that we've all heard. Maybe we've even memorized these verses. But I want to take a deep dive into one of the words in these verses. And I want to encourage us this morning. I believe God has a great word for us and he wants to minister to us. Amen, church. I'm going to read it with us. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. That's pretty harsh, right? Yes. Oof. That's not easy to swallow, right? Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God. Say the peace of God. Type it in the comments. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, pastor spoke about being grateful for the access of God. Church, I want to highlight this real quick. Paul is talking about the peace of God. Not peace with God. Peace with God was when our Heavenly Father sent His Son down here on earth, who was crucified, took your sins upon Him, was buried, and rose again, the veil was torn. We were made righteous and right standing with God, right? That's peace with God. That's Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, our Savior. That is peace with God. No, Paul in here is talking about the peace of God. 
And there's a difference of that, the peace of God. Paul is teaching us an important lesson in these verses. I believe these verses are super significant to mental health of the church. The mental health of the church. How many of you know in this year we need some help with our mental health? And Paul is talking about the peace of God. Meaning, Jesus our Lord. Is Jesus Lord of your life this morning? Jesus our Lord. Not just Jesus our Savior, but Jesus our Lord. I want to take a, a, a quick couple of minutes to talk about the epistle of Philippians. Paul is in prison while he writes this. This is considered the epistle of joy. Paul's letter of joy. Notice it's joy, not happiness. Throughout this uh, four chapters, this small epistle, okay, over 16 times the concept of rejoice and joy is all through it. And it's not happiness that he's talking about. He's talking about a joy. Because happiness depends on happenings. Happiness depends on happenings. But joy depends on Christ. Are you hearing me this morning, church? Your joy depends on Christ. See, we can get happy when certain things occur in our lives, right? I get happy when the Denver Broncos win. Unfortunately, it's been a rough four years. Pray for me. Right? I get happy when I maybe get a new uh, 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 clothing item or, or whatever it is. Happiness comes. But joy is dependent on Christ. Paul is teaching us a lesson within a prison cell. And it's teaching us, church, that our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. Well, amen all by myself. Our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. What does that mean, church? That means that you can find peace within the storm. You can find peace within the trial. You can find peace within hardship. We all know the famous verse, right? Philippians 4, 13, which is only a couple of verses after this, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And sometimes, church, we take that verse out of context. What Paul is saying is, regardless of if I'm well fed or if I'm starving, regardless if I am rich or if I'm poor, regardless of whatever circumstance is going on, if I have clothes or if I lack clothes, I am still content with knowing that Jesus is Lord. Whatever situation it is, whatever circumstance I might find myself, I still understand who sits on the throne, who's the king of kings, who's the alpha and the omega, who's in control. It doesn't matter who's sitting in the Oval Office. Our Father is sitting on the throne. Are you hearing me this morning, church? Mm. God, you're such a good God. 
I want to break down, and I, and I had some help. I, I, I heard the breakdown of this word by a pastor named Pastor Skip um, from Calvary Church. And man, when, when he dived into the meaning of this word anxiety, it really blessed me. And so I want to have an opportunity to share that with you, and I know it's going to bless you guys. In the Greek, this word is maranao, okay? Maranao. And basically, it's two Greek words combined. And in English, we define it as worry. We define it as anxiety. We define it as care. And this word is mentioned 19 times and 17 verses in the New Testament. Basically, it was used a lot. It was talked about a lot. When Jesus was on the Sermon of the Mount, he said, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will wear, where you will go. Same word, maranao. When he talked to Martha, when she was stressed out and, and full of anxiety and worry about the visitors coming, she said, stop worrying. He said, stop worrying. Same word. And to understand this word, this is a word that has two Greek words combined. Okay. Maritzo, the first word, which means to tear, to separate, to divide. To tear, to separate, to divide. And now, which means the mind. So when Paul is saying, do not be anxious, he's saying, do not allow your mind to be divided. Anxiety is when you battle between legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. Legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. The battle of the mind. Do not be anxious. Do not allow your mind to be divided. Church, we understand that anxiety is one of, and, and, and just so you know, we are first world country, right? There's been polls taken. America is one of the leading countries that deals with anxiety disorders. And we understand that through these anxiety disorders, so many different ailments come from that. Skin problems, GI problems, heart problems, headaches. I don't know about y'all, but when I get stressed out and I'm anxious and I'm worried, headaches come. Not only that, but I'm, I'm, I'm more susceptible to get sick because of a divided mind, that worry, that anxious thought. Church, John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to plant seeds of lies in your life. He wants to plant seeds of lies in your mind to confuse you, to cause chaos, to cause worry, to cause anxiety. I heard this story of a, of a lady who was plagued by a thought. And because of this thought, she couldn't sleep. She was having problems sleeping at night. Plagued by this continuous thought. And the thought was that there was going to be a burglar showing up in her house that was going to rob her. And so night after night, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, that thought plagued her mind. And so one day, years later, there was a noise that happened downstairs. And so she elbows her husband. Please, please, I, I, hear, I hear ruckus. 
So the husband goes down the stairs, and wouldn't you know, there was a burglar in the house. And the husband shocked the burglar. He said, please, 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 can you just come upstairs real quick to meet my wife? She's been waiting decades to meet you. What's the point of that story, church? The point is this, a burglar can steal from you once, but the burglar of anxiety can steal from you for decades. Church, if we could be honest, there have been seeds of lies that have been tormenting us, that have been plaguing our thoughts, that have been trying to divide our thoughts to cause worry, anxiety. And church, we are in such crazy times. We're in like a perfect storm, right? With this pandemic, with this social distancing, with staying at home, mask wearing, all of that. And I'm not saying that that's a, those are bad things. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, church, is this is a prime opportunity for the enemy to come and to cause chaos in your mind because you are alone with your thoughts. You are alone with your thoughts. That's why we start that campaign. We get the texts going, the calls within the church to make sure people are plugged in, connected, because the enemy wants you isolated. The enemy wants you divided. The enemy wants you all by yourself. But we understand part of the kingdom of God is that that was never how it was meant to be. Otherwise, he would have never said, I'm ushering in the kingdom. When Paul and Jesus are saying, do not be anxious, what he's saying is, don't have an anxious over concern about life that divides your mind. Don't have an anxious over-concern about life that divides your mind. Jesus and Paul are not saying, don't be lazy, be unproductive. No, 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 they're not saying that. But what they're saying is, don't allow, don't allow the concerns of this life to divide your mind, to cause such chaos in your mind. You hearing me? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your what? Anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's NIV. Some of the verses say, cast all your cares. Care, same word, maranao. When we get that picture in our mind, I think about someone being weighed down by the weight of the world. Do I have any studious people watching? Maybe when you were in college or high school, you had just books upon, well nowadays they don't have that because it's all electronical, but before back in the day, some of the old, older people in the church can say amen to this, but having to carry all those books in your backpack to school, right? And just being weighed down by all that material. Church, I wanna speak to us four practical ways that we can cast our cares, cast our anxiety, and give it to God. Amen? First practical step, that's my beautiful wife, hallelujah. First practical step is he says this, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer. Prayer, okay? Prayer. In this, Paul is also mentioning alongside prayer the same concept of worship. Jesus taught us how to pray. In Matthew 6, 9, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Look at the steps in that. Jesus didn't say, oh, just run to God and say, give me my bread. I need my daily bread. I, 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 I. No, no, no. 
First, it's a part of worship. First, it's a part of prayer where you say, our Father. It's personal. It's not your Father. It's our Father, right? You make a personal declaration. Our Father, my God, my Abba, Daddy in heaven, who is seated where? On high. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's a moment of worship, church. It's a moment of taking your eyes off of the problem, off of the worry, off of the anxiety, and placing it on high. Taking your focus off of you and putting it on God. Worshiping God. Because when there's worship, worry dissipates. Worry starts to leave. Worry exits out the back door. Through breakthrough of worship, worry starts to leave. But when we don't worship, worry starts to what? Increase. And so it's in these moments of prayer and worship that we receive perspective. It gives us clarity. It gives us clarity. It's getting early in the morning, church. I mean, early in the morning. It's getting cold in the morning, right? We're in winter now. It's raining like crazy. My goodness. Wow. So much rain this morning. Those of you who came in, the select few, wow. And I was, I had to, I had to pray the fire of God to come down over my car. It was so crazy outside. But it's getting cold in the morning. And I don't know if y'all, when you turn your cars on, you see the ice all on your windshield, right? Because it's super cold. And if you're like me, you got to get to work early and you might be running a little late and you're just praying, God, please, can you just help this defroster to really just take that ice off of the windshield. If I could just get like a, a, like just a little circle, if I could just maybe get, if you could bless me with the football size, I'll turn my high beams on, I'll drive safe, I'll start going. You're asking God for clarity, right? How good is it to be able to see? And that's what happens when you start to worship. Those of you who wear glasses during this season and you got the face mask going, Sometimes it's crazy when I'm talking to people like that. It's like I'm just seeing the mask and I'm seeing just fog, steam all up on the, the lenses. Woo! And you're just praying, can I get some clarity? Right? But when you worship, you understand perspective. When you worship, you can understand who God is. Second, petition. Petition. Supplication. This is the moment to be able to be transparent with your father this is the moment to cry out to God I remember there was a season and, and, and there was a particular uh, a passage a parable that Jesus was sharing that really ministered to my life and it was about the persistent widow in Luke 18 and she was going before an unruly judge and she was pleading for justice against her adversaries and this was a, a judge that didn't fear God, didn't fear man, but because of her persistence, he pardoned her. He gave her favor. And it's in that parable that Jesus is saying that he's trying to teach his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. If you know me, um, um, you know that I lived in Brazil for over five years. I served as a missionary. We served in the churches and without uh, and, and, and a lot of social injustice. We did partner with a lot of ministries outside of the church. 
rescuing kids off the streets, going into prisons, orphanages. And there was a time where my visa ran up and I had to come back to the United States. And I was, I was heartbroken, church, cried. Because at that time, I was the leader of that ministry as far as the daily operations. I was overseeing that ministry. And I had to leave that ministry to come back to the United States. Not only that, but this was before me and my beautiful wife were married, but things were serious, right? I knew she was the one. Then I had to be apart from her. And I just remember diving into this verses of the persistent widow. And I remember crying, and I remember going on my prayer walks, and I remember going to my prayer closet, and I remember just praying out to God, worshiping God, saying, God, please move on my behalf, Father. Would you open up the doors? Would you open up the heavenly, all the things that would try to stop this and impede the process of the visa? Would you make it correct, Lord? Because I understand the calling that you have on my life. I understand the season where you want me to be. And though this might be a setback, I'm not going to allow it to cause me to step away. And I remember just crying. And church, through this parable, God is not saying that he's the genie and he's in a lamp and you could just rub it and then all of a sudden he's going to grant you your wishes. No. I prayed not just for one month, not just for two months, not just for three, four, five, six, seven, eight but nine months. It took nine months, church. That was a hard season. But I petitioned. I continued to go before God. And I continued to pray, Father, would you move? Would you move? I think about my youngest daughter. If you guys have any kids here, um, it's crazy seeing the difference in your kids if you have more than one, right? Just the personalities. Um, my oldest daughter, when she was about two, which is the age of my youngest, when she was about two, if you would tell her no, she might have a little, you know, tantrum, whatever. But she would correct it. You know, she would, you know, go and do something else. Not my youngest one, man. You tell her no, I mean, she will fire off. Help me, please, daddy, daddy, help, help, please, help, help, daddy, help, please, please, daddy, I need it. Can you have it? Please, please. And it's just like it wears you down, <laughs> right? For like the first minute, I'm so good. Mm -mm. And she will just keep on coming. I need like tag team wife, please step in, help me because she is wearing me down. But the thought is continue to go before God. Continue to go before God. Number three, with thanksgiving. It says by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving worshiping God. And, and, and verse 4, right before this, says, and rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord with thanksgiving, thanking God. And I know that's hard, right? But really, you're redirecting your energy and replacing it with thanksgiving and praise. You're trying to take your mind off of the situation 
and you're starting to focus and thank God for his promises, thanking God for his truths, thanking God for what he did before in your life, reflecting on what God has saved you from, reflecting on what God did within you, reflecting on what God did within your family, within your friends, and thanking God, God, if you could do that, you could do this, God. If, if, if they could trust you with that, I could trust you with this. It's thanking God. Taking your worry, your divided mind, and praising God. Thanking Him. We're thanking God because we know that through these trials, in Romans it says, in, 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 in chapter 5, 3, and 4, same author, Paul. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Trusting that, God, you're going to do a great thing within me through this worry, through this trial, through these problems. Because it's so easy to fixate your mind on the problem, the worry. It's hard to take steps back and realize who's seated on the throne. But when you start to thank him, you start to call to remembrance what God has done in your life. I was just walking my daughter a couple uh, uh, last week, and we were going to go see the light, so it was cold. And... And, and, and I just started getting worried about the future. Does that ever happen to you? You start just thinking about the future and the next steps and the next season and the next plans and what God has for you and what's going to happen and how can I do this and how can I get this and how can I? And you just start going down that rabbit hole, that trail of anxiety, divided mind. And what was meant to be such a wonderful moment with just me and my youngest to be able to see the Christmas lights, all of a sudden I started getting distracted with worry. And then I kid you not, church, God sent me somebody to distract me. God sent me a sign. All of a sudden I started hearing this huffing and puffing. I'm like, what is going on? I look up. I kid you not. There was this gentleman running. He had some short shorts on, listening to, 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 to music high knees and all, just huffing and puffing, running, training for the Olympics, it felt like. And all of a sudden, I felt like the Holy Spirit minister to me. And it was like, son, get your mind off that worry. It was kind of like a shock, like, you know, when you're like, oh, man, is something coming after me? You have to get ready, right? Like, well, what's up? But the guy was just running, high knees and all. Praise God. Motivation. Get out there and run. And it just hit me like, son, what are you doing? Stop going down that rabbit trail. Fourth, present your request unto God. Present your request unto God. Church, your dad wants to hear you. Your heavenly father wants to hear you. Notice the steps, prayer, worship, petition, supplication, cry out to him. Let your emotions go. Thanksgiving, thanking him, and then present your request. Church, we can learn a lot from David. David was a man after God's own heart, right? David was so raw before the Lord. When he went before God, it wasn't like, oh, God, bless me. I need your help. No, he was so real and authentic and exact with his words. Church, I encourage us when we're having our minds divided when we're going through that worry, that anxious heart, that anxious mind. Come to God. Present your request. God, I need your peace in this thought, Father. I need your peace in this moment. I need your help. Request 
present your request. Now, church, here's the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, and the NLT says exceeds anything we can understand, exceeds anything that we can understand, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise, church. That's the promise. That God wants to give us this peace, his peace. And church, it's, it's, it's it, you know, this whole relationship with our father is based on what, right? Faith. Believing that he's the son of God. I would implore you that this principle right here, you have to have faith. You have to have trust that God's going to show up and give you that peace. And you experience it through these steps, through prayer, through worship, through thanksgiving. But you have to have that trust. I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. It says, you will keep me in perfect peace. You will keep me in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast. And the NLT, thoughts that are fixed on you. Those who have thoughts that are fixed on you. Because they trust in you. Listen to that. They trust in you. Trust in the Lord, verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. Church, this is a process where you start to trust your father through these trials, where you start to depend on him to give you that peace, the peace of God. You start to put yourself where Paul is saying that, Jesus, you are Lord. Regardless of what I'm going through, I trust in you, Father, that you are still seated on high, that you will be with me, that you love me, that you care for me. In closing, church, John 14, 27. Jesus... Before he turned himself over to be crucified, he says in, in John 14, he tells the disciples, peace I leave with you. Let that sink in for a second. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us your peace. Peace I leave with you. I'm going up to, 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 sit, to sit on the throne with my Father. But I'm going to leave you peace. Because I understand that in this world, it's going to get hectic. It's going to get crazy. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through worry. The enemy's going to try to come and divide your thoughts, divide your mind. So I understand what you're about to step into. And so I'm going to leave you this peace. Trust in me that I will leave you this peace. You won't be able to fathom, you won't be able to comprehend it, but you will know that I am your God. And I will give you this peace. Peace I leave with you. I do not give as the world gives. Listen to the command, he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Church, you got to Speak scripture when you're going through these anxious thoughts. When Jesus was in the desert, what was he doing? As it is written. As it is written, devil. As it is written. As it is written. Last verse I want to leave is James 1, 5 through 8. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. 
Mm. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. See, what the enemy wants to do is when you're asking for the peace of God, when you're going through these four steps, the enemy wants you to doubt that, oh, he ain't going to get this peace. Mm -mm. This is going to be a thought that's going to continue to torment you. This is going to be a thought that's going to continue to wreck your life. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to put doubt in those moments. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8, such a person is double-minded. Mm. Make sense, church? Double-minded and unstable in all he does. That's what the devil wants for your life. He wants you to be double-minded. He wants you to be unstable in all you do. He doesn't want you standing on the rock, the rock that is the church that he built, the gospel. But he wants you to stand on unstable ground. Church, if you don't live with an anchor of faith, you're going to drift in the sea of anxiety. If you don't live with an anchor of faith, you're going to drift in the sea of anxiety. And that's where the devil wants you drifting away in this pandemic that's one of the things that the devil is rejoicing over your life if i could just have him drift away from the church there's been studies that i don't know if you know that 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 after this pandemic there's gonna be people who are just gonna be just church watchers online and they're not gonna actually go within there's been people that have neglected church in general and when i say church i'm not just talking about a service but they've neglected church because of this pandemic because they're not in the habit of coming in anymore. Wants you to drift away. And so I want to pray for us, church. I believe God wants to do a great work in us this morning and in our lives and in our minds. Right, my brother Aaron Brown, A.B., talked about Romans 1-2 right? Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? The renewal of your mind. This is a daily process because it's going to get attacked. And so I want to pray. Because the challenge that I have for us church is this, that in the moments when your mind starts to become divided, when anxiety starts to come after us, I want to challenge us church to implement these four steps. In the moment of anxiety, will you choose to pray, to petition, to thank, and to present your request to God? And would you choose to trust that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds? Will you choose to trust that the peace of God will come over you? Paul is saying, yes, Jesus is our Savior. But even though I'm in this, in this prison cell, not because of anything that I did wrong, but because I'm preaching the gospel, even though I understand I have perspective, I understand that Jesus is sitting on high. He is Lord of my life. So let's pray. Church, I thank you. Would you quiet your minds in this moment? Would you ask God for his peace to quiet you? To quiet your hearts? 
God, would you move in a mighty way this morning, Father? Lord, I pray for breakthrough, Father. When I was worshiping this morning within the church, that word breakthrough came to my mind. Would you bring breakthrough, Father, in our minds, God? As the enemy would come to try to torment and divide legitimate and destructive thoughts. When he try to confuse our identity, when he, when he tries to confuse who we are in you, and he tells us these lies, the word says, as it is written, that Satan is the father of lies. The word Satan actually means the accuser. God, I pray, Lord, that you would put the helmet of salvation upon us, God. God, that you would govern our thoughts, Lord. That you would help us to take captive of the destructive lies of the enemy, Father. As we're in this season of isolation, as we're in this season of stay at home, and we're in the season of social distancing, mask wearing, God. Would you bring breakthrough, Father? God, would you guard our hearts and our minds, God? Will we trust in your principles? Will we trust in what you have for us, Father? In the name of Jesus, I pray. We're going to close in a time of worship. Bring your thoughts. Bring all those anxieties. Cast your cares. As it says in 1 Peter, cast all your cares unto God. All your anxious thoughts. Cast it, cast it. Release it. Give it to God this morning. And trust that his peace is going to minister to you. Amen.